0: coming up on Stu does america i'll be joined by my good friend dan andros from faithwire to talk about the insane boycott culture that's taken america hostage and alan dershowitz joins us to give his first reactions on the derek chauvin verdict thanks so much for tuning in tonight uh, did you know i'm trying to destroy my wife i mean in terms of instagram followers that is if you could just get to my page at Stu does america give me a quick follow it will help me at home. Plus, I'll reward you with a link in the bio that takes you to all the episodes of The Stupid Show completely free. You're so welcome. Also, please consider supporting the network with your very own subscription to Blaze TV. Head to blazetv.com stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. The verdict is in for the Derek Chauvin trial over the killing of George Floyd. Let's find out what the jury decided as we do The Chauvin Verdict.
1: Stu does America.
0: All right. Well, the news is in Derek Chauvin. The trial is going as they're about to announce the verdict. We were sitting here and we're looking at the, the screens and saying all the news networks are up there. And we're thinking eh, cable news is so agonizing. I, I never turn on the networks anymore. Let's flip on uh, throw on CBS. Maybe cable news. It'll be better than cable news. first thing as we turn on the TV. Okay, now let's go to, to comment on George Floyd and the situation around that, let's go to Ibram Kendi. Our correspondent, Ibram Kendi. Ibram X. Kendi? Is, that's the balanced sort of uh, commentary we're going to get on George Floyd? Oh, jeez. I've learned the lesson. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Of course, the verdict did come in today. And honestly, is anybody really surprised here? Uh, I certainly wasn't. Uh, The charge of second degree unintentional murder. Guilty. That holds uh, with it a term of potentially 40 years in prison. Third degree murder. Guilty. Uh, That's another 25 years potentially. And second degree manslaughter. Guilty. That could be another 10 years. By my incredible math skills, that would be 75 years. Now, of course, they can give him less on some of this. They can overlap them. They can give him more if they really want to. Um, But that's basically what we're looking at. We're looking at basically a life sentence unless one of these appeals uh, comes through. Um, So we'll go into that here coming up in a little bit. Um, It's interesting to kind of watch this. I mean, as they're going through uh, the coverage on CBS, they said the activists told them this would either be a celebration, or a remorning. And I guess that's what, a, uh, that's what you call it when you burn a city to the ground, a remorning, is that what we're going to call it now? Uh, because I don't know what's going to happen uh, as we go through the evening. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it. I mean, do we have uh, the Andy No tweet? This is uh, from Andy Noe earlier today. Now, this is Portland, but if you can read it here, um, uh, no matter, oh, we, can't, we don't have the picture, but uh, no matter what the verdict is, we go hard for George, George Floyd. And the picture uh, in the tweet says rage. I mean, rage no matter what, basically, is what it says. Uh, and, you know, notes that in, uh, in uh, Portland, they're promising uh, no matter what the verdict is, they're going to be out on the streets doing all sorts of crazy things. And that's what you expect out of Antifa. Maybe we won't get that everywhere. Who knows? Who knows? I'm sure there'll be some issues uh, around the country, uh, but maybe of a celebratory nature. You know, just like when you win a championship, you go down, you burn part of your city down. Maybe we'll get that tonight just the, the nice kind of destruction all across the country. It's all we can hope for, America. Uh, I do feel, you know, for talking about the, the verdict specifically, it's not a surprise to me uh, whatsoever. Uh, I, I kind of expected him to be uh, convicted of all of these things. Uh, As we talked about at the beginning, it didn't seem like it was handled well. Uh, You know, to my eye as an onlooker, it looked like it was murder. But again, you know, I know the the legal system has to do its job and we waited to see the facts in the case. Uh, You know, there's some questions here and there. But generally speaking, it was not a you know, it's not a shocker that they that they convicted him on these charges. Um, But it's hard also not to be to feel as if the entire nation is held hostage at this point. We're at a we're at a place where and we all know this is true. We all know it's true. If this verdict came back as not guilty, if it came back as not guilty, cities would burn to the ground tonight. How is this acceptable? How is this acceptable? I I am completely with you. If you uh, are on the side of of holding police that do things uh, that are illegal, if you want to hold them accountable, completely with you on that. Um, However, we have a justice system and justice, a justice system is part of a civilization. This is the reason why we have a civilization. We don't aren't constantly warring with other tribes is because we go in and we say, "Okay, we all agree. Here's the legal system. We will respect the verdict that comes out of it. We can argue against it. We could say it's wrong or right, but we don't go kill each other. We don't go destroy property over it. That's kind of how we all kind of get along because we have these things set aside to do this specific job. We'll see what happens with this. But if the result was different, we all know what the result in the streets would be. It happened before we even had a trial. We, it happens constantly uh, now. And it's, it's this thing that we're supposed to just accept as a country. We're supposed to accept it as if it's, it's unavoidable, right? A, a verdict comes out you don't like, obviously, you just, just burn down your local target, burn down your Wendy's, you know, you shoot somebody in the street. We've had murders happen all over the place because of this. The, the media can preach to us all they want about what happened on January 6th, and I've been clear about that. But you have no credibility when you won't also call out what happened in the summer and what's, go- what's happened in the last uh, few nights uh, in, in Minneapolis and what may happen tonight and tomorrow and going forward. There's never going to be. I mean, you saw the poster, or at least part of the poster, with, uh, with Antifa. There's never going to be a point in which there's an it's enough. It's always going to be an excuse. You know, certainly, there are people out there, certainly his family and his and his loved ones, and some people around the country who really care about George Floyd, but the media in general doesn't care about George Floyd. they care about the narrative. George Floyd helps the narrative, so therefore he matters. If something happened, if we found out some um, some something that hurt the narrative with George Floyd, he would go away. That's just the way this works, and it happens the same way every single time. you know it's 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 interesting I, thinking about. Think about putting yourself in the mind of a juror for a second. You're on this case. You're watching all this stuff come down. All this information comes down. And you might think they did the right thing tonight. You might think they did the wrong thing tonight. But let's just say you're one of these jurors and you're thinking, you know what? I think he's not guilty. I got to say, I think he's not guilty on this. Maybe he's just guilty of manslaughter, but not the other stuff. Isn't there a part of you as a human being that would think to yourself, you know what? I don't think he did a great job. He didn't do, you know, I, I mean, and he's just one person. If I say not guilty, if this is a not guilty or a hung jury, probably a dozen people are going to die tonight. You know, th- hundreds of millions of dollars are going to be destroyed in people's property. People are going to be terrorized in the streets. I mean, there has to be part of a human being who's sitting there in that, in that room trying to decide this case that says, if we don't get this way, if we don't come to the conclusion that they want out in the streets, then we're going to pay With it, with our city, we're going to pay for it with our city. It's a big deal to people. People grow up in that city. They they love it there. And look, I think in this case, to my eye, I've I've said this many times. That's what it looked like. It looked like he should have been guilty. Frankly, he certainly did a terrible job. I think. Uh, (laughs) uh, And I know. Look, you know, I'm the most pro-cop guy in the world. I mean, officers are under all sorts of stresses. But even the other officers I've talked to that I know. I said, look, he, that he should not have done that. That all being said, it, the, the, the benefit, the, the strength of our legal system is to treat everyone as an individual and every case as an individual case. You don't convict someone or let someone go based on this bigger issue. We've played this clip back from one of the OJ jurors a few times, and she comes straight out and says it like it wasn't about OJ. It was about all these things over all these years. We, as she's an African-American woman, as an African-American woman, I feel like I've been wronged, and that's why I said OJ Free. It wasn't because of his, his, uh, his situation. Is that right? I mean, it's the opposite of what our system is supposed to do, and we can't embrace this sort of thinking, even in cases like this where it's a really passionate one and there's a lot of emotions around, even when your city is on the line, even when. And I think, look, I think people in in Minneapolis are thinking to themselves, our livelihood's on the line here. Our buildings are on the line. People's lives are on the line. Our city is on the line. We got to come back with a a guilty verdict here. And whether he was guilty or not, I think this was going to happen. Now, in this case, it may very well be right. So uh, you understand that. But I I can't come back. I can't help but come back to the beginning of this, the genesis of this uh, particular uh, case. We all watched this video, and I remember coming on the air the next day. It was unification. Everyone was like, this is terrible. This is, this is not a borderline case. We learned some details about George Floyd later on, you know, the fact that he was on drugs and, and some of these things may have contributed. We don't know exactly. We're not God. But we can look at this and say it was completely inappropriate for at least a minute or two uh, of the way that was handled, uh, and multiple police officers said the same thing. The bottom line, though, is we all came out and we said, you know what? Like, when an officer does something wrong, we're going to say the officer did something wrong. Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? When, when there's a, a shooting that occurs, and it clearly isn't a racist motive, it clearly isn't police acting badly, what are you going to say? What's the other side going to say? What are the people in the streets going to say then? And what they say then is the same thing they're saying now. There's no difference in the left in their analysis of George Floyd and every other situation that's occurred. There's never one that's justified because none of them justify a narrative change. They can't have the narrative change. This case, the case here, they didn't charge him with intentional murder. Why? Why didn't they charge him with intentional murder? Because they knew it wasn't. Uh, a pre-planned situation. All of this was involuntary. The bottom line here is the verdict is out. We're going to get into the details a little bit more in just a second. Welcome to the program, Alan Dershowitz, professor emeritus at Harvard Law School and host of The Dershow with Alan Dershowitz. Alan, thank you for coming on the program today.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Um, So we have all three guilty uh, today, uh, all three charges. Uh, How did the jury do?
1: Well, we don't know because we don't know whether the jury based its decision only on the facts in the law or whether they were frightened of the possibility that if they acquitted or they convicted on a lesser count or they had a hung jury, they would be fearful of what Maxine Waters and others uh, threatened. We don't know whether the outside intimidation made its way into the courtroom. So we really don't know how the jury did. We don't know whether the thumb of the crowd was on the scale of justice. Um, The judge himself said this might result in the entire conviction being thrown out. And I predict the case will go all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court has, in similar cases, thrown out convictions. So this is not over.
0: How much does this play into the thought process of the jury? Because I think if I was on this jury right now, it would definitely enter my mind that if I come up with the quote, unquote, wrong verdict, bad things are going to happen to my city.
1: Well, look, you just listen to CNN. Basically, the commentators in CNN were threatening. They were saying it would be disasters. It would be this. It would be that. It would be horrible. You know, the country, you name it. Uh, The outside influences were pervasive. And then you get Maxine Waters, who stood outside the courtroom, basically, and told the jurors that if they uh, don't come to the conviction she wants them to come to on the murder charges... Um, There will be confrontations and we'll take to the streets, and we know how at least some jurors might interpret that. So I think uh, the appellate courts, and particularly the United States Supreme Court, will give a good hard look at that and whether or not the judge erred by not sequestering the jury. I think he did. If I were an appellate judge, I'd reverse this conviction based on the failure to sequester and uh, not moving the trial out of Minneapolis.
0: Uh, we saw not only maxine waters uh but also president biden chime in uh, on this uh -hmm. over the last couple of days uh you know is that does that surprise you at all that that all of a sudden that this is acceptable in our country in the middle of a trial
1: well it wasn't in the middle of the trial i think biden was careful to make sure that he didn't say anything until after the jury was sequestered so i don't think his statements made it to the jury but uh probably be better advised for a president not to comment until after the case is over. And now the first phase of the case is over. Uh, he's going to jail. He's been denied bail pending appeal, even though the judge said there are going to be issues on appeal. But uh, the, the appeals will be very serious in this case. Uh,
0: do we? What's your take on how uh, the, the prosecution and the defense actually performed here? Did they do a good job? I would...
1: They both did a pretty good job. Um, I'm not sure why the defense didn't put Chauvin on the witness stand. Um, the major issue in this case, after causation, was his state of mind, his intention, and he would be the best witness for that. Now, the defense may have had good reasons. Maybe that there were issues that would not come up if he didn't take the stand, but they would come up if he did take the stand. So I don't want to second guess defense lawyers. But I think once I saw that he was not going to take the stand, I thought a conviction was relatively certain.
0: Hmm. Um, The the, uh, prosecution went after this. They basically kept appealing, it seemed to me, just to the idea of common sense. Watch this video. Look how bad this was. This this can't stand. They didn't really make it, they didn't go as far to to try to necessarily make that specific legal argument. They appealed to emotion often. And this is relatively common, but is that the is that the right way to go?
1: In this case, it was obviously the right way to go. They had the video and they had the common sense and, you know, look, morally nobody can justify what Chauvin did uh, from a point of view of police practice, nobody can justify it. And the question is whether technically it constituted second or third degree murder. I think it did not. And that's why the defense focused more on that and the prosecution more on the common sense point of view. Uh,
0: do you feel Alan, that, that uh, this is how I feel at least these cases come up, especially these big ones. And we have this legal system here designed to kind of maintain our civilization. And I feel like this, I feel like we're held hostage by these things at times.
1: I mean, we how, are. We're, and we're held hostage by the crowds and by current identity politics. And uh, everybody, um, you know, wanted a, a, this verdict, this outcome. And the fear was if this outcome didn't occur, every city in the country would be attacked. And so everybody's heaving a sigh of relief. But that's not the way the criminal justice should operate. We have to do much more to insulate juries from identity politics and from the Maxine Waters of the world. We're not doing enough.
0: How much of it is a mistake uh, to to show? I mean, I've seen multiple news sources profile, you know, lots of details about these jurors. I mean, the stuff everyone's going to know who these people are uh, after this. And if you're one of the jurors, you have to be thinking about that.
1: Of course. Now, of course, the jurors will probably be proud to be displayed. Mm. But had they come up with a verdict other than murder, had they come up with a manslaughter verdict or an acquittal, uh, their identity would really have to be shielded. Look what happened to a defense witness. Um, Former home was spray painted with blood and uh, the defense attorneys received uh, threatening calls. That's not the way the American system of justice should operate. A city and the country should not have a stake in the outcome of a case. Uh, A case should be decided on its facts and its law. It shouldn't be a referendum. It shouldn't be a determination of whether we do justice in this country to minorities. It should only focus on whether the prosecution has proved every element of the offense beyond a reasonable doubt. I do not have confidence that this verdict was uh, decided based only on the facts and the law. I think there is a reasonable likelihood that the verdict may have been influenced by external considerations. And if a court of appeals agrees with me, we may well see a reversal of the conviction. Mm.
0: All right. Last one before I let you go. Maxine Waters came out. She made her comments publicly. Uh, there are some out there saying uh, this crossed the line into incitement after what we saw with, with the, the, way mm-hmm. the president was was gone after on the same type of charge. I, I feel like the, the standard should be pretty high for that type of thing. Where do you stand on that?
1: Well, I think that neither of them were incitement. Neither of them were criminal. Both were wrong. Neither of them should have said what they said, but they're both protected by the First Amendment.
0: All right. There you go. Alan Dershowitz, thank you so much. Professor Emeritus, Harvard Law School, host of The Dershow. Don't miss it with Alan Dershowitz. Thanks for taking the time. Back in a second. now if you're worried about what might happen in minneapolis tonight fear not al sharpton is flying into town and that should make you feel totally comfortable with any outcome uh that could have possibly happened in the chauvin trial uh in fact al even tweeted a video of himself getting ready to leave and people noticed one thing about this video uh let's roll it this is uh, al sharpton as he walks toward a private jet I think for inequality's sake, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. He posted this himself. This is the type of thing like, you'd think like Project Veritas would leak. Uh, They they had someone on the tarmac who got this video. No, Al Sharpton just tweeted it himself uh, because he doesn't care. He's well beyond the point where he thinks he's going to get caught doing anything. Uh, He still has multiple situations he's never really addressed. And we can get into those maybe at another time we have before. Uh, But the fact that like this guy, It just shows the incredible uh, chutzpah uh, required here to complain about income inequality all the time. Then go on your private jet to fly to Minneapolis and film yourself doing it and put it on Twitter. Amazing. It kind of reminds me a little bit. I mean, you could tell Pete Buttigieg has not been around long enough to get those sorts of benefits where you just don't care at all. He still is faking uh, his environmental street cred. This video from last week, I just freaking love. Uh, here he is. Uh, he, there's, he, get caught, he gets caught here. He's getting out of a, an SUV. And the, 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 the video is sort of like zoomed way in. And you see Buttigieg with a bike helmet on. And he gets on his bicycle. And he decides, <laughs> this is so good. He takes the bike out of an SUV, puts on his bicycle, and then eventually rides to, to work. Now, it's absolutely incredible that this would happen. I mean, basically, the accusation is, and he still has not addressed it, the accusation is they drove the freaking SUV to two blocks away so it could look like he was biking to work. He didn't want to actually bike to work because, of course, none of this actually matters. It's just Pete, little Petey wanted to get on his bicycle and look like he was being environmentally friendly, and he rides off to work like a Rick a like a real environmentalist. And it's true, that's how real envi- environmentalists act. Uh, mind-blowing, mind-blowing, and great, great stuff. Makes me so happy to see videos like that. Um, this one, though, did not make me happy. This is from Chris Cuomo, and I, was, I almost did a monologue on this multiple times, but I just, I've railed so much against the Cuomos, I needed to take a deep breath and, and wait, but this is intolerable. The, the best part about this video is not that how stupid his points are, because that's always the case with Chris Cuomo, is how smart
2: he believes them to be. I love how smart he thinks he is in this clip. Watch. Shootings, gun laws, access to weapons. Oh, you, I know when they'll change. Oh, I don't know when they'll change. Your kids start getting killed. Your kids are getting killed. White people's oh, kids white. start getting killed. Is your audience all white, Chris? I don't understand. Smoking mm. that L- doobie—that's that actually legal, probably in your state now. But they don't know what it was, and then the kid runs, and the pop, 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 pop. I mean, smoking that doobie. What cop year? was justified? Why'd you run? What year is it? Oh, he had a baseball game tonight, huh? White kid. Oh, big family. Having... That house over there. Is he having a conversation with himself? Those start piling up. What is going on with these police? Hmm. Oh. Hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Maybe we shouldn't even have police. That kind of mania, that kind of madness, that'll be you. That'll be the majority. Because well, it's your people. Mm. See, now black people start getting all guns, forming militias, protect themselves. Can't trust deep state. Woo-hoo. You'll see a wave of change in access and accountability. I and mean, this is one of legitimately one of the dumbest
0: pieces of analysis I've ever seen in my life. Let me give you this number one straight up as a Second Amendment advocate. I entirely want African-Americans to take advantage of their Second Amendment rights. You I see this. I saw the Sarah Silverman did a thing about this and I mentioned it from time to time because I'm so mind blown by this. Like their belief in white Republican racism so permeates their mind that they think we don't want African-Americans to have guns. If you're African-American, go buy a gun. It's a great idea. You should have one to protect yourself and your family from lunatics like Chris Cuomo, who will probably try to assault you on the street if you ask him to wear a mask while he has COVID. Or you, God forbid you call him Fredo. Then you really need to make sure you can protect yourself. I am not scared of African-Americans with guns. I want them to have guns. I desire... African-Americans, if they so choose to have weapons. Why? Because they are constitutionally guaranteed the right to do so. Secondarily, there's been lots of shootings of white people, as we've covered more often here on the program. More shootings by beliefs of white people in this country than of black people in this country. When we talk about mass shootings, what's the first one that comes to mind? Columbine High School. Not exactly, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the most diverse community in America. Lots of white kids killed in that shooting. Lots of white kids killed in a lot of these shootings. It has nothing to do with race. I know you're obsessed with it. I know it's all you think about all the time, but it's not what we think about all the time. Conservatives care more about constitutional rights than they do about skin color, unlike you, because you think the exact reverse on both things. All you think about is skin color, and you don't care at all about our constitutional rights. Back in a second. Do you have a Gmail or Yahoo or any of these free email services? Well, they're not really free. I mean, everything, everything that says it's free, you're paying for in some way, right? You pay with your privacy, in this case. And since those companies have access to every email you send and receive, big tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. That's why you got to trust StartMail to secure your email. StartMail keeps up my email uh, because uh, why? They keep it private, period. Every email is encrypted. Even the recipient doesn't even need to uh, use encryption to make sure that that mail is private. Uh, with StartMail, deleted means deleted. This is a, This is sort of a shocking concept to some. Deleted means deleted. Hmm, who knew it was possible? When you delete an email, it's gone forever. And StartMail uses uh, your own servers. Uh, they use their own stuff because they don't have to deal with Amazon. They don't have to deal with all that other stuff. StartMail uh, is backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. Do you care about privacy? Do you care about big tech and, and the role that they're taking? Why not take a step and get some privacy in your email with StartMail? Start up t- uh, today and you'll get a 50% off uh, benefit of your first year. It's startmail.com slash stew, S-T-A-R-T, M-A-I-L dot com slash stew for 50 percent off your first year. Startmail dot com slash stew. Check it out. Happy to welcome back to the program a good friend, Dan Andros. He's, of course, a diet Mountain Dew connoisseur, as well as the managing editor of Faithwire dot com. Be sure to check out their website. Subscribe to their YouTube channel. Dan, how are you?
3: I'm doing great. I'm obviously fully loaded, as always. (laughs) That was not planned. I mean, it just... That it's was, just on tap at all times.
0: This is just It wasn't planned, but I know you always have a Diet Mountain Dew nearby, so I just knew it was true. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, talk a little bit about, um, we talked about this a little bit off the air, uh, Margaret Sanger. I've been yeah. meaning to get to a monologue on this all week, and the, the show of itself has been going on. There's been so much going on. Maybe I'll yeah. get to it tomorrow. I want to get to it, though. But, like, this op-ed comes out in the New York Times and basically tries to give the impression that Planned Parenthood has finally realized they've recognized Margaret Sanger as a racist and they need to get off that train, stop defending her. There's a lot more to it than that, though, isn't there?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really kind of funny because the it's like there's this giant elephant in the room when they're addressing this big issue of their past. <laughs> you know, it's like Margaret Sanger, you know, she's got some problematic views here in the past and we're finally going to tackle this and everyone's going, uh, but what about the baby thing you guys are still kind of (laughs) killing babies it's sort of like it would sort of be like Stu, uh the italian mob cracking down on their lack of diversity they're like you know what we just have too many italians in the mob here and we need to get some more greeks we need to get some more spaniards and that's what our folk and everyone's like kind of like well what about all the crime and all the i mean allegedly 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 of course Mm -hmm. Um, but what about all the crime and, and all of that, uh, the extortions and the and blah, blah, blah. I mean, should we focus on that? No, 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 no. the diversity. We need to get some Spaniards in there. <laughs> uh, so it, it's like that with Planned Parenthood. I mean, you guys are, you're out there killing the unborn. So maybe we should worry about that.
0: Yeah, um, and we should, we should point out the official stance here on Studios America, on the mob, is that it does not exist. And if it did yeah. exist, we'd like it. That's just yeah. uh, Oh,
3: totally, totally. Okay. I was just using that example from like the mo- think of thinking of it from the movies, the movies, right? those
0: inaccurate movies yeah. that they have. Inaccurate those are,
3: movies, yeah. uh, uh, you know, it's true. It's, it's it, like
0: there's a much bigger issue here. I mean, I know being woke I, means you have to call everything racist. And look, Margaret Sanger was a racist in many ways. Uh, but that is really like kind of the secondary problem to the fact that, like, you're currently on this bandwagon where a lot of people. Uh, that are African-American, in particular, uh, disproportionately, as they always like to say, uh, are not alive when they could be alive if it wasn't for your policies and for your clinics. Yeah,
3: yeah. and you got to just sit back for a second and marvel at how bad conservatives and Republicans and pro-lifers are that somehow we're the ones that get you know painted as racist. I saw it was trending t- earlier today that Republicans are racist And uh, and it's like, just like you said, uh, you the the left has an organization that is dedicated to to preventing African-Americans from living. And uh, and then when they make the mistake of procreation, they actively encourage them to go have the abortion. Uh, And as you said, it's like a four to one ratio, I think, of African-American women versus uh, other women who have abortions. And so they are disproportionately affected in that area. And part of that reason is um, regardless of whatever Margaret Sanger's beliefs were, currently Planned Parenthood, uh, up to 79% of their surgical locations, where they actually perform these abortions, are located in either predominantly African American or predominantly Hispanic neighborhoods. So they're, they purposely are in minority neighborhoods. And Stu, uh, the one example I looked up, uh, you know, in checking on this was Trenton, which we're familiar with. Obviously, we used when the show was in New York, we would go up to. New York City via Trenton, and the Planned Parenthood Surgical Facility is right there, just a block from the train station. The high school's only a couple blocks away, and there's a daycare center right across the street. Uh, and it's in, it's in a minority neighborhood right there, um, and low income, so. Um, you know, why are they doing that? And how are how are conservatives portrayed as the racist ones when you have an organization doing that? Yeah, it really, it really is fascinating. I mean, uh, you bring it up.
0: You, you pointed out nicely there. You know, this is an organization basically designed to stop uh, many African-Americans from procreating. <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't know how the people who are like, no, we'd actually like those African-American children to be born. Are the racists that is a it's a i do feel that that the the term pro-choice is the ultimate example of a spin it's never there's never been a better example of it um the idea that this is about choice is completely nonsensical it's not about choice it's about people living and dying you don't get to choose whether you have others live and die
3: yeah and i i gotta say to your point about pro-choice that's why i'm worried about like the critical race theory and some of these other movements that progressives are pushing right now because if if you watch them they, it's like throwing darts uh, at the wall and, they, and they're just hoping one of them sticks. And they try all these different terminologies and um, they're trying to get them to stick. They're trying to get them codified so that they just become cultural. Like Black Lives Matter is a perfect one. I mean, we all know that's a Marxist organization at its roots with other aims um, that aren't really necessarily the primary focus that the hashtag would suggest. You know, they have like a lot of these kind of secular leftist groups, they end up when you boil it down, they're really just pushing Marxism or some some form of it. And um, and so I anyway, I worry about that, that language. And like we can laugh at it sometimes because we're like, ah it's so woke and blah, blah, blah. But you got to take it seriously, because if they succeed and they just make it culturally acceptable to uh, embrace some of these phrases, um, you know, like critical race theory and systematic the country, systematically racist, all these things. If you just accept that it could very well get codified and we're just going to be stuck with it. Yeah,
0: it really I mean, this seems to work over time. Uh, these ter- terms, they get laughed at at first and then enough of the country embraces them and it winds its you know, worming its way into all of these institutions. Uh, certainly, Hollywood has embraced uh, this completely. I don't think the audience has embraced uh, this from Hollywood, but Hollywood is out there blabbing about these things all the time. And we're kind of sit back here to say, well, do we never go to a movie again or do we just take this from them? <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. I know. The, the You know, the conservative side, our typical reaction is to get frustrated and then, you know, announce some sort of boycott. I'm personally not really a big boycott fan. If you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to do something great, don't do it. But, you know, I think it's pointless to sit here and try to like, yeah, hey, let's all boycott, you know, Netflix or or Disney Plus or Disney. Like, OK, well, you just cut 80 percent of your entertainment like, you know.
0: Right. And it doesn't the other part of that, it is it doesn't. The other side of it is it doesn't do anything doesn't do anything. It's right? like you're, you're just made, you're, yeah. you're like if it was like, OK, we're going to cut our entertainment. But in return, we're going to make the world a better place. All right. You can make that argument. It, but you're not making the world a better place. They just ignore you. Disney Plus just <laughs> went on. They fired Gina Carano. Every conservative rose up. Canceled Disney was trending on Twitter for days and days and days. And at the end of the day, what happened? Nothing. They just, they just, they just took one of the most popular characters out of the most popular streaming show and everyone complained about it and they just don't care.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I'm not sure what the best approach is, but, uh, um, you know, yeah, it certainly doesn't really have that much of an effect. And, um, uh, you know, maybe we need to focus on uh, creating our own cute language, too that can uh, actually work and move people because, uh, the boycott thing doesn't really seem to work. Yeah, and and uh, I think
0: there's a little bit of like f- conservative fantasy league that goes on with this boycott thing. It's like we, we kind of live in this you know this fantasy existence of where our two choices are to do nothing and to boycott and change things. Well, it's like it's really not what happens. I mean, you don't you're, you don't change things out of a boycott. You might get them you at the very best like. Is there a better example than the Planned Parenthood thing? I mean, the op-ed op- we were just touching on here is conservatives have been talking about this for years. We've done multiple shows over the years uh, on Margaret Sanger and all of her, the, the terrible things that she believed in eugenics and all of this. And they ignored it for years and years and years and years. And eventually they had to answer to it. And when they did, they, they said, well, we don't like Margaret Sanger anymore. I mean, we're really upset about her legacy. That's why we need to embrace trans issues more. Like, I mean, it doesn't these organizations don't react to this stuff and taking money out of their pocket is not important to them. Like they're more. And and I'll say it wouldn't be important to us either. Like, you know, if if people started boycotting Faithwire because you were too pro-life, Faithwire is not going to become pro-choice. Right. It's it's, that's not the most important thing to you. So hitting them in the pocketbook is not where it's at.
3: Yeah. And you're not like you said, you're not really moving anybody in particular with an argument like that. You're not changing anything. And um, and so, yeah, it it just seems kind of and it seems like you're just playing sort of into their hand and playing their game and playing on their field. Like, well, they're yelling about stuff and they're trying to get everybody canceled. So why don't we turn around and try to get everybody canceled? I think we need to start moving in a different direction where we are actually focused on. um, I mean, this is why doing things like, you know, um, you know, to, to get on my homeschooling soapbox or even private school soapbox. It's like, don't just send your kids off to public school thoughtlessly to be just brainwashed by a bunch of progressives, you know, mm-hmm. um, just things like that. That's one example I can think of off the top of my head. Those are things that we can do because a lot of these eco warrior type people aren't having kids. Well, have more kids, have more than one kid, have a couple kids, you know, like create families and then raise those kids up to not be uh, woke scolds, you know. Um, and those are things that we can do, um, to, you know, try to ensure that the world is not going to be completely insane um, as we head into our later years. Yeah, right. And good, good
0: luck with that. Um, uh, before, <laughs> before you go, we mentioned Hollywood. Um, there's uh, yeah. some sort of whistleblower going on with the Oscars. What is the story?
3: Yeah, well, uh, we got a story. It's over on faithwire.com. Uh, there was a producer that, you know, was at least involved in some level, um, uh, in producing the Oscars and they kind of revealed in a New York times report here, uh, <laughs> That uh, they found by watching the data that when the actors start, you know, getting on their soapbox and going on about politics, the ratings just plummet. And obviously, <laughs> we know the ratings are already down anyway, but they could specifically see that when they get up there and they start going, you know what? Um, I've got this issue here uh, about, you know, saving the cats or what, whatever it is. And uh, they start opining about it. And everyone's just like, hey, I'm not watching that. Just some over it, you know. <laughs> uh, and, but it's like uh, you didn't really need uh, the the whistleblower or the insider to kind of tell us this information. I think most people are aware that when actors start getting on about their uh, their beliefs, it's kind of like, oh gosh, here we go.
0: Yeah, we really don't want to hear. It. That's why I think people love that Scarlett Johansson quote where she was like, "Yeah, I'm just." I'm, I'm an actress and uh, I don't really yeah. the people don't really need to hear me I mean the masters did the same thing they're like hey what about Georgia's voting laws I was like I'm a, I, we run a golf tournament like I, I don't yeah. I, I don't know we're not I would not advance this conversation if I commented on yeah. it.
3: and and look if you wanna if you wanted to speak out on a view I think you could do I'm, I'm not gonna tell people they can't say no. something they believe in but there's a right way to do it like there's an insufferable way to do it and there's a right way to do it and um know, you could you could mention something, you know, scratch the surface, let people know, send them to a website, whatever. I mean, I I don't really care. I mean, I don't really have a problem with that. But um, it just gets to the point now where you just feel like you're getting lectured all the time and we have to stand up and move people. And it always ends up just being Vote Democrats. You know yeah, that's always the end game, isn't I,
0: it? Every single time, it always winds up vote Democrats. Like the NBA, we're taking days off. We are we are gonna stand until you guys move. Uh, wait, wait. You're gonna let people vote at NBA arenas? Okay, we'll come back and play now. It's always it's. <laughs> you, gee, who do you think they were voting for? Are right, we gonna leave it there? Uh, Dan Andros, uh, managing editor of uh, FaithWire. Uh, good to see you. And and I will be watching to see if uh, my boycott of you personally is effective.
3: Well, uh, I mean, I. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) All right, back in a second.
0: (laughs) So Venmo is adding Dogecoin. Wait, no, cryptocurrencies, not Dogecoin yet, but Bitcoin um, to its app. That's a big deal. Um, You know, there was a time where it was almost impossible to buy crypto. You go back to the early days uh, where, you know, we had exchanges collapsing and a lot of it didn't work. And, you know, now there's so many good apps out there where you can buy it in a very consumer-friendly way, an easy way uh, to buy this stuff. Venmo is kind of the biggest one. I mean, PayPal added this pretty recently. Uh, Now Venmo is going to be adding cryptocurrencies. You can do it, I think, started today, um, I I believe. Uh, And does it have, uh, it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. So Bitcoin's kind of the big, they call it digital gold. Ethereum is kind of like the, almost like the operating system on uh, what a lot of cryptocurrencies are actually able to do. Uh, Litecoin is very similar to Bitcoin, but uh, you know they, they look at for, uh, for lower transaction rates and such. Uh, Bitcoin Cash has a different technical makeup, but it actually forked off of Bitcoin a while ago. You don't need to really know all that stuff. Bottom line is it's there. You can send it with very low fees in many cases, and it's something uh, just more mainstream adoption, which is, why you see all of this happening. I mean, Dogecoin, which was literally started as a joke, uh, 2013, there was a meme that was going around uh, with a dog, and they made a, they made a jokey cryptocurrency out of it, kind of a mock cryptocurrencies. Stayed there, hung around for a little bit. People laughed at it. It kind of became dormant for many years. Elon Musk started tweeting about it. A couple of other things happened. Now it's up quite a bit, um, up 8,000% at times. Um, one here stat for you, um, $10,000 investment in Do- on Dogecoin on December 31st of 2020. So not that long ago, um, would now be worth $821,000. Don't you wish you had that? You know, people are like, oh, uh, I'm going to get, uh, a sports almanac. If I go back in time or I go into the future. I just go back in time a couple of months, and invest in some Dogecoin. That's the sequel of Back to the Future for you. Just getting the the get in the, the flux capacitor riled up. Go back to like, you know, December, invest it all in Dogecoin. It worked perfectly. Um, uh, Dogecoin did come down a little bit today. Everyone was saying because it's 420, uh, all the potheads are going to come out and buy Dogecoin today. Didn't really happen. Um, it did come down a little bit. Uh, Bitcoin kind of popped up a little bit. Kind of. That's kind of my theory about how this is going right now. If you're in this world, uh, a lot of people, I think, took out Bitcoin to get involved in the fun that was going on on Dogecoin. If you don't care about this stuff, I understand. But we're talking about big time returns. I've had, you know, we went through the whole two seven, 2017 bubble, uh, which now looks like a blip on the screen of the crypto charts. And uh, there was this time where everyone was calling me about it. Everyone saying, I bought this. Look at this update. Screenshots of the apps and all of this. And then it went away for multiple years. And now it's back, and it's back even harder than it was before. It sort of reminds me of what happened with the Internet, right, where like in, you know, 2000, there was the Internet bubble. Remember the Internet bubble, which now is nothing, right? I mean, it was just in the past. As this stuff kind of gets more and more adopted, uh, it's going to change kind of in a big way. And it's fun to be part of it, frankly. I mean, I, I, I honestly never would have thought I would be involved in an investment that gave this sort of return. And I keep saying this, but it's like, There's something inspiring for the nation here and that the people who started this, the people who were early on it were ideological and they were ideological in a way that said, I don't want bailouts of the big banks. I want I have less faith in government than everyone around me. It seems I'm going to create my own currency and see if we can do it that way. So many people like that got involved and now they're all really wealthy. They have money to donate uh, to political candidates and political movements we may see uh, a lot more to come uh, from this uh, in the future. Um, I will tell you also, uh, 420, Willie Nelson's trying to get it to be a holiday, uh, which is is interesting. So far, no movement on that. And I will say, you know, medical marijuana might cure the, uh, you know, the arthritis. Of one Joe Biden. Maybe he'd be interested in this. I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, don't forget get the t shirt. Learn, then protest. The order is important. Might be useful tonight. Learn, then protest. Learnthenprotest.com. We'll see.